I'm looking today at Palm Sunday in the Old Testament. You heard me right. In the Old Testament, I love this book. I love the God of this book. I don't understand how, especially when you hear what God did before, hundreds of years before Christ ever came, I don't understand how anybody could treat this book with skepticism. Now I know there are skeptics, there always had been, there always will be, but still God has proven himself over and over and over again. Uh, it's been about six months ago that I preached some on the, uh, the, the inspiration of the Bible and how God had, had put his name throughout his word and when you break the letters down, it's almost, not that, not that it was a code because it's easy to understand. The Hebrews have followed that for years. The Jews have followed that. But for some reason, we're a little slow catching on. And this is one of those passages today. Daniel is the one that prophesied about Palm Sunday. Daniel prophesied about Palm Sunday. He prophesied about the crucifixion. And you'll find it in Daniel chapter nine. In Daniel chapter nine, and for time's sake, I'm going to read it, but then I wanna break these verses down very quickly. I can't go into details on every point, and trust me, if I did that, we'd be here for quite a while today. But I do wanna give you enough information that you'll, you'll be able to, uh, to leave this place and say, what a mighty God we serve. Daniel chapter nine. While you're turning there, Daniel has been praying in this book, if you read it when you go home, uh, and if you're a new convert, it'll be confusing to you, that's okay. You can't learn everything in a week. I've been preaching it for 46 years now, and I haven't even scratched the surface. And the more I learn, the more I wanna learn, but one of the things that you'll find when I even read this, that Daniel sought and prayed for, he prayed for understanding. So Daniel is praying for understanding. And you know, uh, I think that it's a simple uh, introduction, but it fits well. An understanding person prays. If you really understand how important that it is, an understanding person prays, and a praying person gets understanding. And it goes hand in hand. The more understanding that you get, the more you pray, and the more you pray, the more understanding you get. So when you read this, you may say, I don't understand that. But let's look together at what he says. Let's look in verse 24 of chapter nine. Chapter nine of Daniel, verse 24. Keep your Bibles open. I'm gonna have you look back at a few verses. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression to make the end of sins and to make a reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand, there it is. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. 
and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and under the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Well, recently we dealt with that last verse. But let's start with these earlier verses, beginning with verse 24. Seventy weeks. Underline those two words. Seventy weeks. That gives us the period, the period of time. Seventy weeks. Now that's strange terminology to you and I, and that has to be clarified to begin with, or none of this will make any sense to you at all. See, the, the problem is we look at a week as a seven-day period of time. But the Hebrews, the Jews, not only looked at a week as a seven-day period of time, but also a seven-year period of time. Now you say, preacher, I hear that, but there's no biblical evidence for that. Oh, but there is. Go back to Leviticus with me, if you will. Let's go back to Leviticus and, and turn to chapter 25 and verse 8. Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 8. And if you're new to Rubyville, you will find out we use our Bibles. And uh, it's important that you use your Bible every day because you'll never begin to understand the truth of God's word until you get into his word. Leviticus 25 and verse 8. The Bible says, and thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee. Seven times seven years. So seven times seven years. And the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee 40 and nine years. For those of you that hate math, you're in the wrong sermon today. But he's saying a week can also be seven years. Here he says seven Sabbath years, seven Sabbath weeks equals 49 years. Do you see that? So they look at that week prophetically as well as literally. Literally, it's a seven-day period of time. But to the Jewish people and to the Hebrews and those that were the people of God, they knew immediately prophetically it meant seven years. Well, where did they get that? They got it before the law was even given. Go back just a little further, if you will, to Genesis with me. Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. You remember Jacob had fallen in love with Rachel, but Rachel's father deceived him. He received Leah, and then he had to work for seven more years for Rachel. Do you remember that? Well, this will help you remember. In Genesis 29, look in verse 20. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him but a few days, 
for the love he had to her. Now let me stop right here. For every young couple that is contemplating marriage and it seems like that you have to wait, if you really love them, it's worth the wait. I'm not gonna say any more than that. That's what he said. For the love that he had for her, it seemed but a little time. But look, if you will, in verse 27. Fulfill her week. So we've got one week. And we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. One week equaled seven years. So do I have to give you more or you... You satisfied with that? Hey, I know when I'm doing good and I know when I'm not. Are you satisfied with that? So we've got 70 weeks. 70 weeks converted into years would be 490 years. So he says the period of time is 490 years. But then in Daniel chapter nine, we not only see the period of time being that 490 years, but he goes on to say that it's for the people. The 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. Who's thy people? The Jewish people, the Hebrews. So we have the period of time, we have the people. And not only that, but he goes on to say that it is for the holy city. It is for the particular place the holy city. And the reason that he's giving the 70 weeks upon thy people and upon thy holy city, where's the holy city? Where's the holy city to the Jew? Jerusalem. So we have the period, we have the people, and we have the place. So he's saying this prophecy will fall into a definite period of time. It will affect a definite people and it will affect a definite place. But what is the purpose of this, of this particular prophecy? Well, I see, I see six things in these verses. Who he is preaching about, the purpose of it, it, it will lead to the finish of transgressions, it'll make an end of sin, it'll make the reconciliation of iniquity, it'll bring in everlasting righteousness, It'll seal up the vision and the prophecy and is going to anoint the most holy. Well, now, there's nobody here that can qualify for that. None of us. Who has the power to finish transgressions, make an end of sin, reconcile for iniquity, bring everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and to be anointed of God? Who fits all of those characteristics? There's only one person and his name is Jesus. So this is all a prophecy about a 490 period year of time that is going to impact the city of Jerusalem. 
impact the Jews and now impact the world because you cannot make an end to sin and finish transgression and bring righteousness. You can't do all of those things and not impact the world. Can you imagine what this world would be like if everybody was righteous and if there was no sin and if there was no iniquity and everyone got restored to the Lord and Jerusalem was at peace. Could you imagine what kind of a world it would be? I don't know yet, but I will know. So he says, I've got a plan. And that's what I'm focusing on is the plan. We know now the person is Jesus, the purpose for his coming, the place to the people, and we know the period of time, 490 years. Well, what's the plan? Well, first we see the commencement of the plan, verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. So he says it starts when that command is signed. That's the commencement of it. Well, the blessing is this. What I'm speaking to you today, you don't have to take my word just biblically for it. If any of you love world history, check it out you'll find four, four renowned historical sources to verify this date. It's very verified. In fact, in your Bible, it's verified because of Nehemiah, because Nehemiah was the prophet that was alive when that was given in Nehemiah chapter two. He stated the exact year. The exact year is stated. The exact day is stated when a when the leader, the king, Artaxerxes, signed that commandment to go back for the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem again and the walls thereof. So we know historically that it started when that commandment was signed. But when that was signed, then it's pointing to something greater. So verse 25, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, unto the Messiah. From the time he signs that, there's going to be something that will be so, so dynamic about the Messiah. And the Messiah is who? Who? Ten of you know who he are. The Messiah is who? Jesus. And that's who we're preaching about. I'm always on safe ground when I'm preaching about Jesus. Always. You can't go wrong preaching about Jesus. You might make the devil mad and the world mad, but you're already on the other team anyway. So we're not worried about that. We'll stay with Jesus. So he said, something's going out. You're going to know who the Messiah, the whole world is going to know who the Messiah is when that command is signed. Just move forward for seven weeks, three score and two weeks. Seven and two is nine. Three score means three times 20. 69 of those weeks. He's giving a prophecy of 70 weeks. He said, how you'll know when that starts is when that commandment is signed, if you will go forward exactly, exactly 483 years from the time that is signed the Messiah will be revealed to you. 
483 years by the Jewish calendar. You do understand the Jewish calendar is not like our calendar. The Jewish calendar is set up on a 30-day schedule. They have 12 months of 30 days each, 360 days in their year. And those are all evolving around the moon. So they are following that that, uh, calendar of 360 days. 69 weeks times which is 483 days times 360 brings you to a total of 173,880 days. So they said in the prophecy that if you'll go to the signing of that commandment and you count 173,880 days, we know the exact date that that was signed. Historically, biblically, we know the day it was signed. We also historically know when Jesus made his triumphal entry into the city. It's recorded because it is tied to the Passover season. Anybody want to guess what day, the day that they took the palm branches and cried Hosanna to the highest, the day that they cried, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Does anybody want to guess how many days that was from the day exactly that Artaxerxes signed the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem? 173,880 days. He said, you go forward and exactly on that day will be the day that the Messiah will be revealed. Not by chance, not by accident. Can you imagine anybody else in the world prophesying something that is 483 years out from happening and it being on the exact day? I tell you why I serve God. Is because he's God. He knows it all, signs it all. That's why we love Jesus. He is the Messiah revealed to the world. But he doesn't stop there because he said that's 69 weeks. 69 weeks, but it leaves one week. So we not only see the commencement, but we see the coming of Christ. But look, if you will, in verse 26. And after, not on three score and two weeks, after that, after that, after three score and two weeks, shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself and the people of the prince shall come and shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood. Now you say, wait a minute, preacher. That says three score and two weeks. That's 62 weeks. You just told us 69 weeks. Yeah, the temple was rebuilt. Guess how long it took them to rebuild it? 49 years. Seven weeks. So he said, after that you find out who the Messiah is, by going that 173,880 days out, after that, 
he'll be cut off. Well, what does that mean? It is a prophecy not only of Palm Sunday, but after Palm Sunday came the crucifixion. He not only came, but after he was recognized as the one that has come in the name of the Lord, the Messiah, after that he is recognized, he is crucified. That leaves one week. One week equals how many years? Seven years. So he tells us there's still a week to go. So let's get this right. He prophesied to the day when the person, the prince, the Messiah would come and be recognized as the Messiah. He prophesied that he would die. But his work is not completed. There's still a week to go. But in order for that week to go, if he died on Calvary, how can it be fulfilled if there's a week to go and he is now dead and in the grave? Can I tell you how? He didn't stay in the grave. Next Sunday we'll rejoice, not only in the fact that Jesus has died for the ends to make an end of sin, to bring reconciliation, to forgive of transgression, but also he's going to continue to seal up the prophecy of it all. He said, yes, I'm going to die, and yes, I'm going to be crucified, but most important of all, I'm coming again. And when he comes, the church will be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What is that week, seven years. Well, to those of you that's left behind, it will be called the tribulation period. Seven years in the middle of the week. See, the Antichrist comes and makes this great covenant trying to bring together the Jews and the Christians and the Islamic world brings this great covenant. But in the middle of the week, he's, he calls for the sacrifices to cease. The temple will have been rebuilt. They're offering up sacrifices and then they see who the Antichrist really is. That's how he's revealed. Now you can hang around to see who he is, but I'm not waiting to see who he is. I'm planning on getting out of here when the trunk shall sound and the dead in Christ rise. I want to be in that group that is caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. That's the promise we have from God's word. So this is not just another Sunday. This is a time of worship. A time where we say, as they said over 2,000 years ago, Hosanna in the highest. Praise in the highest for the one that has come in the name of the Lord. Do you believe he came? I mean, do you really believe he came? Do you believe he's here right now? Why isn't someone saying praise the Lord? I mean, isn't that what he wants to hear from us? Don't we have a lot to praise him for? I mean, look how good God has been to us. Bless you, Lola. I'll join with you if nobody else will. God has been so good to us. 
He took care of our iniquities. He took care of our transgressions. He's forgiven our sins and he is coming back again. That's the promise of the word of God. So on this Palm Sunday, we can say, Lord, we bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name because you have saved us from our sins.